right, so you guys kind of have an idea of some things we're going to land on tonight. We want to pray for an impartation increase of the gifts of the Spirit to be activated in your lives. And we're excited to go after that. Anyone who wants to, to stay for that. Before we get into that, there's some things we really just want to celebrate to kind of add to the fuel of what's going on here and uh, we're going to do that together as a team to help set the foundation for that. We're going to start over in Exodus chapter 33. Exodus chapter 33 have a few verses we're going to read here together as we start kind of getting into what we want to unpack uh, my wife and I together. So starting, I'm going to read verses 1 and 2 and then skip all the way over to verse 13 to 16. This is a great passage to read and pray through. encourage you to, to do that yourselves, but uh, we're just going to use it as a springboard tonight. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, Depart, go up from here, you and the people whom you brought up from the land of Egypt, to the land which I swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying, To your descendants I will give it. I will send an angel before you, and I will drive out the Canaanite, the Amorite, the Hittite, the Perizzite, the Havite, and the Jebusite. Skip down to 13. Now, therefore, I pray you, and this is Moses talking to God, if I have found favor in your sight, let me know your ways that I may know you, so that I may find favor in your sight. Consider, too, that this nation is your people. And he said, my presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. Everybody say presence. presence. Then he said to him, if your presence does not go with us, do not lead us up from here. For how can it be known that I have found favor in your sight, I and your people? Is it not by your going with us, so that we and your people may be distinguished from all the other people who are upon the face of the earth? There's so much in this passage that you can go after uh, and unpack together. I'm sure you've heard many messages about it. But my point of bringing it here today is... Uh, there's something in the atmosphere here that we kind of just want to, we feel God wants to celebrate and to increase it more in this place. And so as we're looking at this passage, if you look at it in context, you have God telling Moses that you guys go ahead. I gave you a promise to go into the promised land. I'll send an angel and the angel will help you get there, but I'm not going with you. All right. And Moses begins to pray and intercede and says, God, if you don't go, if your presence doesn't go, then we don't want to go without you. And so God hears Moses and said, all right, my presence will go with you. All right? And so it's, it's interesting. You think about last night where uh, my wife was kind of unpacking where we're at in relation to promises and moving towards seeing those promises fulfilled and where our hearts are at during the process of it, uh, that here... You have him saying, here's a promised land for you. There's a promise for you. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to provide a way for you to enter into the promise, but I won't be in it. So I'll fulfill my end of the bargain, but I won't be in it with you. And Moses rec recognized that entering into the promised land or even entering into the promises God gave was short-sighted because your final destination there is not the promises God gave you. Your final destination is Him. And our promises, no matter how great they are, are meaningless if He's not there. And what we have sensed and felt in this place is a hunger for the presence. For the presence of God. 
And I love your heart of worship here and where you're going out, going for things. You have a world-class worship team. I hope you guys know that. Don't you? And I believe that God is going to give them various uh, stages of influence. I mean stages like this uh, of influence and minister in different capacities and places. Uh, but we want to feed your hunger for the presence of God because we believe God wants to increase it in this house. And we believe that God wants to increase it outside of this house when you go from here. That it's like all of you come together and put your sticks in the fire. And when you leave here, you're, you're burning brighter and brighter every single time you get together, right? And so we want to feed into those things. And we want to pray for impartation of gifts. Uh, I just want to take a moment and also celebrate because I want to celebrate the leadership here about this. Because they made a conscious decision. They didn't tell me this, but I know they did. They made a conscious decision that they were going to go after the presence of God. And it was going to be a high value for them. In other words, when you're looking at pastoring, there are techniques out there, there are ideas out there where it's almost like you can have the angel of the Lord go before you and help you grow a church, so to speak. But God's saying, you go do it, but I'm not going to be with you. My presence isn't going to be there. And, but you have leadership here that said, God, if your presence doesn't go with us, I don't want to go. And they made an incredible value statement by making the presence of God a priority. And I just, on behalf of God, thank you for that. Thank you for making God's presence a value, a central core value in this house. Because uh, you could have gone a different way. Even if in your mind you're like, where could I go, Lord? You have the words of life. But you still had the possibility and you chose him. Even if others don't understand what's going on here, even if others would say whatever they would say or you, they don't understand what you're about, you still said, I'm going with you, God. And that's a big deal. Would you guys thank God for your pastors here? All right. So what we want to do is we want to feed into your hunger for the presence of God and the application of the presence of God. That it's not just something that you enjoy, it's something that you can carry. And that when you carry the presence of God, things happen around you. And that you were made for this. You don't have to be called to pulpit ministry to have the presence of God around your life. It's not about that. It, the presence of God is what you were made for. In fact, the Bible says that you are a temple of His Holy Spirit. He's in you and He is on you, right? And so as you are entering into the presence of God, you can be saturated so much with Him that you're just minding your own business and people around you can encounter God. I want to see that happen more and more. I think that's what God wants to do in this region. He wants to raise up a company of people that carry the presence of God. And it's not that you're afraid to say something. It's that you don't have to. It's that people are asking you, what is that? That's what we're going to feed in. The way we're going to do that tonight is we're going to share some stories with you about the presence of God affecting the environment and doing things around us and doing things to us because we want to feed into that and recognize that our story is your story. You ever have a, a family member, if you have one of these, where somebody in your lineage did something, they invented something, or they were known for something, 
Uh, it, the family typically is really proud of that. Even if it's like, you know, my great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-grandfather invented the ice cream cone. You know, whatever it is, people are like, that's my family right there. You know, they're excited about that. Well, you, do you know who your family is? In your family, somebody parted a Red Sea. That's in your family. <laughs> in your family, lepers got healed. In your family, the blind have been healed. In your family, the dead have been raised. That's your family line. And so as we share these things, this is your family. These are your stories. And these are given in order to recognize that when we gather in the presence of God, it's not to just enjoy Him, though that happens. It's because, God, there's an exchange that's being taken place. As you honor Him, He comes on you and He walks with you where you go. And so one example of this I'm going to begin with is there was a time where I was uh, fasting and praying every other day and just seeking the Lord, just wanted to be with Him. And the way that I did this is I, I, I said, God, I don't want anything from you. I'm not asking anything except that you would receive my worship. And I would go in my room every other day during mealtimes. And uh, as, as that was going on, I would put music on and I would worship God the best that I knew how. That's all I did. So I God, I don't want anything. I'm not asking anything from you except that you would receive my worship. And during this time, I had some significant encounters with God. But one particular one I'm highlighting tonight for the purpose of this, the presence is... Uh, I went over to some friend's house to hang out. wasn't anything spiritual. It wasn't a church meeting. Uh, I went over to a friend's house. We are just hanging out. There was a group of us sitting in a living room area. And uh, while we were just chatting, I said, hey, look, I've been reading this book. And I want to read the, uh, a paragraph from it. I thought it was really cool. And they're like, all right. So I pulled out this book and I started reading it. And uh, it was by a man named Francis Frangipan. And... Uh, as I started reading this book to them, there across from me were two of my friends, and they were they're sitting on a couch, not right next to each other, but you know somebody between them. They were sitting on the couch, and both of them yelled out exactly at the same time, "You're glowing!" <laughs> and then all of a sudden, the presence of God invaded that place. People started shaking and crying out to God, and. Uh, I didn't see anything. I didn't feel anything. But I've had different times where people have saw the glory of God shining around me. And it was about the presence of God that changes an environment. We have a story in Exodus 33 where uh, Moses says, show me your glory. And then we read at different places where he would shine with the glory of God, put a veil over him because it was freaking people out. They were really scared about it. But God still does those kind of things. And who knows, there could be some people here where the glory of God comes on you. And it's not for you. I didn't even feel anything. I didn't see anything. I didn't know. And they, they literally said at the same time, they yelled it out, looked at each other, burst in tears, the presence of God fell into place. And it was really, it's incredible. I had times when a, a child saw the glory of God, came over and was touching my arm and going, why are you glowing? What is that? And God just pours out his presence. So you could come in and worship and be with God. His presence comes on you in a way you don't even know. You're minding your own business. And somebody sees you shining 
And that'll mess with somebody. It'll do that. So <laughs> the presence of God can change the environment that you're in. My wife is going to come up. She's going to share a story here with you. We're just wanting to feed into this. The presence of God, just feeding into the presence here. Okay, so uh, a few years ago, my husband and I were living in Minnesota, and um, we really wanted to, as a church, experience more of God. And so we all climbed into a bus and went across the states and came up to Toronto and came to a Catch the Fire conference in 2004. And at that time, if um, you're not familiar with that, people were getting gold teeth. Is anybody around for this phenomenon? Yeah. So we were there, and it was part of the service. They would pray, okay, we're going to ask God to release gold teeth, put your hands on your mouth, bless your face to get gold teeth. Okay, now look in each other's mouths, and we'd be like leaning over and be like, okay, I don't see you, come on. And then we'd be looking for gold teeth, and then people would be getting gold teeth all across the room, so they'd bring them on stage, and they'd be standing up here, and the cameraman would be zooming in on their mouth. And up on the screen would be a big mouth, like with a gold tooth or a gold cap or a gold filling. And it was amazing. It was so crazy because only God could do that. And so, like I said, we had a bus full of people. We had like 45 of us that came all, all the way across to there. And um, a bunch of people got gold teeth. I did not. And I was sad. I really wanted a gold tooth. And... Um, but I was, I was fine, but I was just like, oh, that would be really great. But we still had a really good time at the conference. We got tons of prayer, spent a lot of time worshiping, and it was amazing. And so Ben and I, we came home, and we were like, we feel clean. Like, we just feel washed. We feel new. And it felt really, really good. But I still was just a little bummed about not getting a gold tooth. Uh, in fact, the people, um, have you guys seen Finger of God? That we, So you know how it opens with this couple getting gold teeth they were on our bus that was from our church and so their nephew um, Darren Wilson is who started doing all those videos now because of that experience and so it was a big deal and people back at our church got gold teeth that didn't get to go because someone prayed for them in their home group and they got gold teeth so it was pretty cool um, but that week Ben left um, to go on a ministry trip, and he was going to be gone for two weeks, and we just been married like a year and a half, so I was a little nervous about it, but we knew that he was supposed to go, and I was going to stay and work, and I was driving um, into the Twin Cities, Minneapolis, St. Paul, and it was a March morning. It was March 13th, 2004, and as I was driving, it was early in the morning, there were trees covering this um, patch of road, and I didn't realize it, but I guess the road must have been icy, and I had cruise control on, because all of a sudden I came into this like sheltered area where the sun hadn't yet reached it, and my car veered over into the lane, the other lane, opposite lane, and there was a car coming towards me, and so I turned the wheel and overcompensated and hydroplaned and spun out of control and I closed my eyes because I didn't want to see what was going to happen and I flipped and rolled and crashed into some trees. It was like six times that it flipped and rolled and I ended up on the side and I was sitting on my window. I'll come back to the gold tooth in just a second. Sorry, that kind of diverted off, didn't it? Sorry. So I'm sitting on my window, and again, it's like 7 in the morning, 7.15 in the morning, and I'm shaking. My seatbelt had unbuckled. My airbag did not go off, and I bit my tongue and hit my knee, and that was about all I could tell 
had happened, but obviously I was still very shaken. I was crying and just happened to be that a volunteer firefighter had just gotten off duty and was driving by, saw the whole thing, came to the side of the road, reached in and said, are you okay, are you okay? And I just started bawling. And he said, is there anyone that you need to call? And I said, yes, I need to call my husband. He's in Mississippi. I need to let him know what happened. And so he gave me um, his cell phone and I called him still sitting in my window. Everything's like shattered around me. And I called him and I said, babe, which was a miracle that he answered the phone because he was driving through rural Mississippi. It was like crazy that he got a signal. I said, babe, I was just in a car accident, but don't worry about it. It's just a distraction. The enemy is just trying to keep you from not focusing, and, and we know you're supposed to be there, so don't worry. I'll be fine, which was crazy. Like, again, I was married a year and a half. Like, I normally probably, I don't know, would have said, come home right now. It's fine. I need you. But in that moment, I had peace and wisdom, and he was like, are you sure, really? It's fine. Are you okay? I said, well, I'm not sure that I'm okay, but I think I'm okay. I'll let you know. And I hung up the phone, and then they came. They had to break open the windshield, pulled me out, went to the hospital. They did all x-rays, and all I had was whiplash. And again, that I banged my knee, and I had bit my tongue, and that was it. Crazy. Yes. It was ridiculous. And we still don't know why my seatbelt's unbuckled. I always wear a seatbelt. We don't know why the airbag didn't go off. It was a new car. Like, it wasn't this old beater <laughs> or something. Like, just happened to be like that. And I feel like there was an angel that was holding my head against, because I, I closed my eyes, but I didn't feel myself jostle around just that one whiplash. So anyway, the church that we were at, I was the worship pastor. And so that sun it was a Saturday. So that Sunday, I didn't lead worship but the following Sunday, Ben is still out of town, I was standing at the keyboard, and I was singing, um, we fall down, we lay our crowns at the feet of Jesus, and we cry, holy, holy, holy is the Lord. And all of a sudden, I heard God say, that was your gold tooth. And I was like, what? He said, you should not have survived. And I had gone and saw my car, it was totaled. I don't know if you've ever done that, like had a car accident, they tell you, don't look at your car, just come with me. And so I, I listened, but then I had lost my cell phone in the car, so I had to go to the um, wherever it would have been hauled to, and I saw my car and my knees buckled, like it was so awful. Totaled, totaled the car, and so as I'm standing there at the keyboard singing this song, I hear God say, that was your gold tooth. Instantly, I knew God was real. Like, I knew it. I said, God, you're real. You're real. Holy, holy, holy. And I fell off of the, not off the stage, but I had stopped playing and I just fell, crumpled to the floor, sobbing, saying, You're real. You're real. You're real. I just came face to face with who he was and I couldn't move. And I was sobbing and crying and laughing all at the same time. And the church was packed for some reason, I'm not sure. It was like there was no seat that was empty. And as I fell, the drummer went into this like war, like solo and just was like totally powerful. And everyone stood up and started praising God. And I'm laying on the floor just sobbing, like I was useless. But that reality of who God was wrecked me. And my physical body couldn't handle it. My mind couldn't handle it. All I could do was say, holy, 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 you're real. And so what I saw from that was that encounter with truth and that hunger that I had. God, I just wanted something that could only be explained by God. 
That's why I wanted a gold tooth. I wanted to be able to say, God is real, look at my gold tooth. And he said, I want to show that I'm real by saving you from an impossible car wreck that you shouldn't have walked away from. And so I thank him for that. And I'm so happy to recognize, like I feel it again stirring in my spirit, that God is real. No one can tell me God isn't real. No one can try and convince me otherwise there's nothing. So that was what that encounter did for me. Yeah. Presence of God changes everything. <laughs> I remember... Um, driving down the street one day. We're just feeding in the presence, guys. We're just feeding hunger for the presence of God, whatever that looks like for you. Just feeding that for you tonight. Um, just driving down the, down the road one day, and uh, I was asking Jesus, what are you doing right now? And I felt like he told me that he was going to an incense store where they sell incense to burn the demon gods. He's going to an incense store, and he's going to minister to somebody there. And so I said, can I go with you? <laughs> Absolutely, come on. So I, I took my car over, knew the, I knew the story he was talking about. So I, then I went over, and I, I'm getting out of the car, going to the incense store. I was like, I've never been to an incense store before. Never had a reason to go. And, uh, you know, people know me. They were like, what's he going in the incense store for? <laughs> I knew it. <laughs> and uh, so I go in the incense store, and... Uh, there's only one person there. It's just the worker that's there. And uh, I don't have any idea what I'm supposed to do. They didn't teach me this at Bible college. They didn't tell me what you're supposed to do in the incense store. So I'm in the incense store, and uh, I'm, I'm just asking the Lord, what, I'm, what am I supposed to do? And I knew that I needed to get the lady from behind the counter that we didn't have something between us. I don't know why I knew that. It was just something I just knew. And so I started looking for a reason uh, for her to get from behind the counter, looking around at different things, completely uninterested in anything that's there. Uh, but I found myself over this video wall, and uh, they had these old things. They're called VHSs. I don't know if you've seen those before. <laughs> they had these VHS cassettes there, and uh, one of them was labeled VeggieTales. <laughs> I'm not in a Christian bookstore. Okay, if you don't know what VeggieTales are, that's very Christian cartoon, okay? I'm here in this demonic environment, and there's VeggieTales. So. Uh, and then what was really funny about it is uh, it had a sticker that said $2, and then next to it, it said free sample. And so I was like, I've got it. I asked the lady, come here, I want to ask you something. So I called, you know, I, I was just trying to get her, get her away from where she was at. Why are you guys selling a free sample? And then she laughed and told me whatever they, they were doing. And uh, and I said, all right, uh, so while I got you out here, uh, this right here might sound really weird, but I just have a question for you. Now, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't feel God's not telling me anything. I'm not feeling anything. No angels showed up and gave me direction. I don't have any idea what I'm doing at all. And so I just made something up. And I asked her, I said, have you ever felt the presence of God before? And she said, you know, I have one time when I was in a youth group. Think about that. I can't honestly tell you how many times I felt the presence of God today. She could identify one time in her entire life that she felt the presence of God. Presence of God changes things. She could recognize that. 
And I said, that's it. God wants you to feel his presence. All right, could I pray for you? And she said, yeah, sure. Now, we're not at the altar of the church. There's stuff burning around the room. You know, this is a, this is a store, and uh, things are happening all around. I don't know what's going on in the spirit realm. Thankfully, I didn't see anything. But <laughs> I, I, I didn't know what I was doing, so I did something completely ridiculous, dumb. You don't have to do this at all. I went into church mode, and I said, all right, this is what we're going to do. I want you to stand here and put your hands out in front of you, Close your eyes, and I'm going to lightly touch you and start praying for you. Remember where I'm at, okay? Now, ladies, if you had some random guy walk up to you <laughs> and say, all right, here's what I want you to do. Close your eyes, put your hands out in front of you, and I'm going to touch you. You'd be like, nope. For some reason, she said yes. I don't know why. It must have just been the favor of God on the moment because it was dumb. Don't do that. I was just nervous. I was scared. And so I put my hands, just, uh, held her hands and um, started praying for her. And I just invited the Holy Spirit to come in and touch her and just ask her to, to, to feel the presence of God. That's what I was saying on the outside. God, just let her feel your presence and your love and your joy for her. On the inside, I was praying the prayer that every great man and woman of God pray. It was like this, help me, Jesus, help me, Jesus, help me, Jesus. I didn't know what I was doing because I didn't feel anything. I had nothing. I didn't know what was going to happen. I had no idea. Somebody could have walked into the store. Here I am praying for this guy. What in the world is going on in this place, you know? I don't know. And so finally, she got, she got this smile on her face. And the point of me saying this today is that the presence of God belongs on the streets. People need the presence. You just heard a story where when God spoke to her and said, that was my presence in your life, she said, God's real. People need to experience the presence of God. Who's going to give it to them? So she got a little smile on her face, and I said, do you feel that? And she said, yeah. And I thought, good, because I don't feel anything. <laughs> I didn't have nothing, not goosebumps, not warm, nothing. And I said, that's the Holy Spirit. He loves you. And she's like, ah, oh, so good. And I said, has anybody ever told you that God has a plan for your life? And she said, No. And I said, Jesus died for you because he didn't want to live without you. And he's got a purpose for you, and it's not just to exist. And it begins by you giving him your life. Would you be interested in giving your life to the one who you feel his presence right now? And she's, she's got her eyes closed, and she goes, yes. So they're in the incense store. Demon gods having stuff burned them all around me. This woman gives her life to Jesus Christ because she encountered the presence of God. The presence of God belongs on the streets. 
Uh, ten years ago, I went to an event, and um, they said, come up for prayer. We just want to bless you. And so I did. I came up for prayer. <clears throat> and as they were praying for me, um, they just uh, gently touched me, and I did. L I lost strength in my legs, and so I allowed myself to fall back. And as I was laying there, it was just really sweet, like a sweet presence of God, just really peaceful. I wasn't like shaking or anything, like it was just rest. I just felt rest. And I had laid there maybe like five minutes, and I felt like I could get up. Uh, yeah, I, I don't have to lay here. But then I just heard this little whisper and say, but do you have to? And I just heard God call me just to stay there. And I, I didn't feel that weighty presence that some of you maybe have felt where you're like, oh, I can't move. But it was like I could lift my arms. I could lift my head. I was like, okay, I'll lay here. And as I laid there and said yes, I felt this buzzing on my lips. And it kind of increased, and I felt like I had this, like, circle of this, like, electric, like, vibration on my mouth. And I was like, hmm, that's weird. Okay. All right. Well, good. Yep, if that's you, God, okay, increase it. And then it kind of like went over and it like encompassed more of my face. And so I was just laying there. I was like, okay, that's cool. And then I got up and we just were done. And so we left and I didn't really think much of it. And then a couple weeks after that, I went to a prophetic school um, that John Sanford was doing in um, Oregon. And so I was on site, and it was like the only time they did it. I feel so grateful that I was a part of it. It was this week-long school where John Sanford and his son Mark were just sitting and teaching us about the office of a prophet and what prophets do and how they can hear God's voice. It was crazy. And as they were teaching, what? Yeah, it was like 20 of us. It was just ridiculous. And as they're teaching, they're talking about the calling of a prophet. And I didn't grow up around prophecy. Prophets were weird. Like, really, you can't really trust what a prophet says. Like, that was the environment that I grew up in my church um, as I grew up. And so learning about the prophetic was new. Ben kind of introduced me to that when we were married. Um, and so in this environment, they were talking about the calling of a prophet. And they said, sometimes people will feel a buzzing on their lips or sometimes people will have like an encounter with God where they see the Lord come and touch their lips or like you see with Isaiah and Jeremiah and their calling where it says that he extended, he touched or he put a coal to their lips. That is symbolic of you being consecrated for the office of a prophet. And as they're telling me this, of course I'm remembering this encounter that had just happened three weeks previous and I was unbelieving. I was like, no, I'm not a prophet, what? I'm just me, like I wanted to be a youth pastor's wife, like that was all I wanted to do growing up. And so for that to be confirmed in that setting was really hard for me to believe. And so I ran it by um, the lady that was mentoring me at the time that took me to this school. And she was like, oh yeah, I see prophet all over you. And still it was hard for me to believe until I've had confirmation after confirmation after confirmation and how much I love to prophesy. Like it just comes out of me. I can't, almost can't even help it. It just comes out of me. But it started with me waiting just a little bit longer and not rushing and not saying, oh, I have other things to do or I don't want to look silly or if God's not holding me to the floor, I should probably get up. Just because I heard that whisper and stayed a little bit longer, 
I got that calling into the office of a prophet. Whatever that looks like, that's not the point of what I'm talking about. But what I see in the presence of God is that he calls us into our destiny and he marks us. I'm marked. I can't ignore that. That happened. I didn't make it happen, but it did. And so I just invite you, as you encounter God's presence, to watch for things like that and to notice things that are happening. Because he's not random. He's not ambiguous. He's very specific and intentional, God. And then I just want to share about one other encounter. Um, when I was in Brazil uh, about four years ago, um, Randy Clark was praying for all of the ministers, all of the youth that were there. This was the Youth Power Invasion trip, which is amazing. I love it. So if you're interested in that, go to globalawakening.com. And um, when we were down there, he was praying for all the youth, and I'm on, I was on staff at the time. So I was helping, like praying for other people and like catching some people and like doing some prophetic, like prophesying for some people. And then I saw him coming down the row of students, and so I just like stepped out of the way, you know, so he could just continue on down the line. And he came closer and closer, and as I stepped back, he came towards me. And I was like, oh, you know, Randy, you don't have to pray for me. Like, did you forget I work for you? Like, <laughs> I know I look young, but I'm a worker. I'm a worker. I'm working. I'm on the clock. This is the last day before we send everyone out. I have work to do. I have a computer, and it's plugged in in the back. I have to get right back to that after this is done. He didn't really care. He saw me, grabbed my hand, and said, Micah, I just released the anointing to release the anointing over you in Jesus' name. And I was done. My body said, okay, and fell to the ground. And I could not move for two hours. I laid on the floor, and people are falling all around me, and I didn't have any ability to move. I was plastered to the floor. Like, I felt like I was being pushed into this hard, concrete floor Brazilian churches are not this comfortable. <laughs> they have plastic chairs, lawn chairs, and they have hard floors, and they're cold. And so I'm laying on this cold floor. I have to go to the bathroom. I have to go to work. I'm like, w do people know where I am? Like, are they looking for me? I don't even know. And they were. They didn't know where I was because I wasn't supposed to be up there. And I'm like crumpled up against the stairs here. And God started ministering to me about our marriage just talking to me about some areas that I had closed my heart off to Ben, God cares about our marriage. He cares about our relationships. And even though Randy's prayer was uh, anointing to release the anointing, which I hold on to, God said, okay, I got gotcha. you. Let's talk about your marriage. Okay, this is important. You can't move. I'm going to talk to you. And so he talked to me about some things that were so precious and so beautiful and so personal between Ben and I. I'm laying there, and I'm like, okay, 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 all right, yes. And all I could do was cry, and finally, other people came up. Someone taught a whole lesson while I'm laying right here. And I don't, I mean, I guess it's normal, but they just didn't care. They just left me there. But then they were going to pray for more people. And if you've ever seen Brazilians when they get prayer, they jump up and down like this, and they kind of do this. And so I was like, someone's going to step on me. I need to get up. So I turn over, and I army crawl out of the room. Like, I have never felt such a weight on me before. And finally, I could sit up. And then one of my friend's staff members was like, there you are. Oh, my gosh, we've been looking for you. I was like, I know. I'm sorry. And finally, I could stand up, and as we were leaving that place, all I could do was just cry and feel God's presence, and it was 
just marked me again, like wrecked me. And in that place, I, it surprised me. I wasn't expecting it. I wasn't even seeking it. I wasn't even trying. I was just in the right place at the right time. And so I just encourage you with that, that as you're in the right place, which is where God is, that he's going to meet you there. I believe that you are in the right place tonight. In just a few minutes, we want to lay hands on you, and I just feel an increase of hunger that's happening here tonight. And there's going to be some of you that God marks you. He's going to increase anointing in your life. He's going to do some breakthrough. He's going to speak to you about some things. He's going to mark you with some things. So I want to do one more story, and then I'm going to encourage you to pray the one thing uh, uh, we end this story with. I'm going to ask Liz if she's around. Yep, if you could come up to the keyboard, and then uh, we'll have the whole worship team come up in a little bit. But if you want to just start playing, I'm going to tell one last story here and encourage you to make this prayer your own. Holy Spirit, I just welcome you here and agree with what you're doing in this house. Lord, we love your presence. Your presence is not separate. Your presence is you. So we feel your presence. We feel you. We love your presence. When I was 11 years old, I was at a church youth camp and uh, this was an interesting kind of youth camp. They had a, uh, uh, the end of the week kind of culminated with this banquet kind of thing that you could take somebody on a date to. And so the whole camp had all these like middle school kids trying to find a date. <laughs> it was weird. I was like, who put that together? And so... They'd also have these speakers that would come. And uh, one of the speakers was talking about being baptized in the Holy Spirit. I was 11 years old. And he called people up, and people came up and were receiving prayer. And they were falling down on the floor, and people were speaking in other tongues. And uh, all this kind of stuff was going on. And in my 11-year-old mind, now I'm in Georgia in America, deep south Georgia. And so in my 11-year-old mind, I saw these things happen, and I thought, no one's going to pray for me because I don't want anybody to push me to the floor. I don't want something that's fake. And so I began to walk around, and people were laying everywhere. They're crying. They're speaking in tongues. I'm stepping over people, and I started saying this prayer. I said, God, if this is you, I want it. And then I did my my southern prayer on top of that and I said but ain't nobody going to push me down and I just began to walk around I said God if this is you I want it but ain't nobody going to push me down God if this is really you if that's you I want it God I'm hungry for you and I began to pray that way God if this is you I want it and then all of a sudden the muscles from my knees down to my ankles just went out and I fell down to my knees I did not relate it to what was happening. Never had anything like that happen up until that point in my life. And I'm looking down at my legs wondering, what's wrong with me? And I was able to kind of get up. I got back on my feet and I was like, okay, maybe I can get that checked out. I don't know what the, what's going on. I don't know. 
But I started, I finally, I saw people getting touched again, and I was like, I got to get back to prayer. I said, God, if that's you, if this is you, I want it. But ain't nobody going to push me down. God, if this is you, I want it. God, if this is you, I want it. And then it happened again. The muscles went out from my knees down to my ankles. I fell down on my knees, and I'm looking down at my knees, wondering what's wrong with me, still not relating it to what was going on. Because the only thing I saw was people getting prayed for, and they were falling to the floor. I, nobody prayed for me. I just fell down on my knees. I'm like, what's wrong with me? And then while I'm looking at my legs, wondering what's wrong, then the muscles from my hips down to my knees went out. And somehow, I still don't know to this day how this happened, I fell backwards. I don't know how you fall backwards when you're on your knees, but that, somehow I found myself falling backwards. And as soon as I hit the ground, as soon as my back hit the ground, I felt a rush of wind come and hit my face, and I began to speak in other tongues. This happened for six hours. So 11-year-old for six hours on the floor weeping and crying out to God in other tongues. I literally had people come over with cups of water and give me drinks of water. It was crazy. I was so spiritually schnockered. It was crazy. Just absolutely gone. And I remember it, it was like 2 o'clock in the morning. 2 o'clock in the morning that the youth leader came over and helped me to my feet and I staggered over to my cabin. I would have stayed there probably longer, but they had to lock up the building. It was two in the morning. It's two in the morning. We've got to get over to the cabin. That's how I knew what time it was. For six hours, and my life has never been the same. It wasn't long after that that we had a service in our church, and there was an evangelist that was, that was there. And Now, this is, this is before the environment was common for people to be what we call slain in the spirit or under the power of God or blasted or whatever terminology you're familiar with, being touched by God. Like that wasn't super common at that time. But when I would pray for people, they would manifest crazy. I have people that flew across the room. I pray for people and they would bow down, up and down like this. I'm a kid. I don't know what's going on. And I remember it wasn't long after the baptism of the Holy Spirit that this started in my life. I was praying, this evangelist came, was praying for people at the church I was talking about and, and uh, skipped one of my friends. And I noticed it, so I went over to my friend uh, and asked if I could pray for him. And he was about twice my size in girth. And uh, I didn't have a catcher. But, I mean, I, I didn't even know what was going to happen. I just want to pray for him because I saw he was skipped. And so I put my hand light on his forehead, and I was kind of stepped to, to his side, put my left hand behind him and started praying for him. All of a sudden, he just went out. And what was really amazing about this is I just laid him down with one hand, my left hand, a guy who was a lot bigger than me, just laid him down like he didn't weigh anything. as light as a feather. I just laid him really soft. And ever since then, I went after another person, prayed for them, boom, power of God hit them. And it began in that moment when I was 11 years old. And I said, God, if this is you, I want it. The Bible tells us that if we ask God for his spirit, 
he will not give you a serpent. There are some people that are afraid. They're not, they've never, even we're talking about somebody manifesting and falling on the floor. Maybe that's unusual for you. And you're like, how do you know that's not a demon? How do you know you're not getting devils? Because we're asking for the Holy Spirit. And he promised if you ask for my spirit, it's impossible for you to get something else. I will not give you a serpent when you ask for my spirit. If you're asking for him, you can trust he's in it. If you feel something, you feel something. If you don't, you don't. It's not necessarily about that. But what I would encourage you is to be mindful about the way that you approach receiving prayer and approach the presence of God. There are some people that come and receive prayer, and it's like inside they have their arms folded. And they're like, if God's going to touch me, he's going to have to push me down. He knows my address. He can come to my place. And he's going to prove that this is God because that's the only way I know it's not fake. Well, stop doing that. Come to God like he's actually happy to see you. Why not receive prayer with a, a smile on your face? Why not receive prayer because you're coming to the one who died for you and he's excited to be with you. Do you want to be with somebody if you approach them to, to, to give them a hug and they're like, don't go to receive prayer that way because you know if you're asking for a spirit, you won't get something else. Don't make God have to prove something to you. Come to him because you're excited to be with him. He's excited to be with you. You can put a smile on your face. You can even laugh without God making you laugh. Just because you're happy. You know, you can laugh because you're happy. I don't know if you knew that or not. But why not come to receive prayer already positioning your heart where you're excited to be with God? I have found that when people position themselves to be with God instead of God trying to prove something to them, then they enter in a lot easier to receive Now, if you're a person who's like, well, I get prayer, I don't really feel things, that's cool. I'd like to remind people that Jesus didn't shake, fall down, and he did okay. It's not about that, but it's also not about trying to, God, trying to get God to prove something to you either. It's not one of those. It's just coming to a loving Father. If you're somebody who's, who's been disappointed because you received prayer and haven't felt something, I very rarely feel something when somebody prays for me. Uh, I know several people that are that way. I feel more presence of God when I pray for other people than when I receive prayer. And what's good is you get the people together, the ones who do feel a lot when they receive prayer, and the ones who feel when they pray for people, get those people together. Both of them have fun. But recognize how you connect with God. If you're like super analytical, maybe you connect with God doing math problems. I don't understand that at all. But I know of people that have stuff like that happen. They're like, I feel so close to God when I'm doing equations. I'm like, okay. You're unique. God wants to connect with you and maybe he wants to do it. I know somebody said, I don't feel the presence of God except when I'm playing a guitar. That's the only time I do. Well, pick up a guitar. Whatever helps you connect with God, do that. But always receive prayer. 
always say, God, if this is you, I want it. 